All right, everyone, and welcome to the Liam McCollum Show. This is actually the 100th episode, and I was planning on following tradition by getting a uh, pretty big guest on the show, but um, instead, I'm going to do a an update for you guys. It's It's been a long time since I, I released a podcast. I think it's been over a month now, um, and, and some of you have probably been following what I've been doing on social media, uh, but for those of you who, who haven't been following me, um, I, I took a job with Americans for Prosperity Montana earlier in the month, and I moved across the state. I, I'm currently in Helena um, working as a legislative associate, pushing policy at the Capitol here. Um, and, and I really haven't had a sense of my schedule, so I've been unable to schedule with some of these uh, bigger guests. But I have been in communication with, with some, and I'm trying to find um, some, some good dates to, to get some exciting guests on the show. So definitely tune in and, and be ready for some, some pretty big podcasts coming up soon. Um, but yeah, I've, I've just been trying to get a sense of, of the pace of this job and, uh, really trying to understand the role and, and what I'm doing here. I've, I've got to meet a lot of people already. I've, I've met a lot of connections. I've, I've also been able to, and I, I've been fortunate to be able to work next, next to representative Lee Deming, who, um, if, if you guys haven't been following my show, if, if anyone is new, he was my civics teacher back in high school who who actually introduced me to libertarianism, introduced me to Ron Paul, um, and also introduced me to Tom Woods. And then from there, I, you know, listened to many other podcasts that that got me to where I'm currently at politically in my in my political thought. Um, so he kind of gave me a foundation and I've been able to work alongside him on on a few things and at the very least have someone to turn to who who's on the inside, who who is a part of the legislative process. And um, I've got his opinion on some bills and I've been able to, to talk with him a lot. Um, and it, it's just been, it's been really fun. Uh, and, and I should say that before I go on, that nothing that I say in this podcast is uh, representative of anything that AFP believes. I'm just speaking on my own behalf, um, unless I say otherwise, and I, I probably should never say otherwise. So just <laughs> anything I say in this podcast is is my own own opinion. Um, and, and that's actually a really good segue for what I wanted to focus on in, in this podcast today. Um, I kind of blew up social media, my my social media account the, the past couple of weeks with a video of a testimony that I gave uh, last week to the House um, Energy, Technology, and Federal Relations Committee. And this was a um, testimony, or this was a res on a resolution in support of Ukraine and, and the US aid to Ukraine. Uh, and I got to testify that on this resolution on my own, on, on my own behalf. So I, I wasn't representing AFP, I just got to get up there and, and give my own personal opinion about um, this resolution. And I, I want to share the video uh, with you guys. And if you're listening on audio podcasts, I, I uh, if, if you want to see the video, it is going to be up on Rumble, Odyssey and YouTube. So if you prefer that platform, the video is there. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to share the, the video with you guys so you could see my testimony and then um, before I gave you that video, I want to give you kind of the, the background behind uh, how I found this resolution, um, how I prepared for it, and then the current vote. Um, so like I said, this was a resolution. It, it's House Joint Resolution 3, 
uh, in support of Ukraine. That was kind of the, the general title, and that's how people refer to it as. But when I looked at the actual text of the bill, it went be beyond that. Um, the, the resolution was also in support of uh, sanctions against Russia. It was also in support of Article 5 of NATO, which um, if, if triggered, Article 5 would say that all of Europe and all, all the NATO countries would, would uh, be pulled into the conflict in order to defend what, whatever uh, country is being aggressed against. Um, so this resolution also uh, supposedly reaffirmed Montana's support for Article 5 and um, suggested that we would support the U.S. defending all of NATO in case of a larger conflict. Um, now, I ha had read through this resolution, and I, I didn't really think that it was it was going to be that popular. Um, but I, I wanted to go in and uh, testify against it. I at least thought about it. And um, the day I heard about the resolution uh, was actually the day of the the committee hearing. On, on this resolution. So by the time I decided that I want to testify on this thing, I think it was like an, an hour out. Um, so I, uh, I got confirmation that I could testify on this bill um, on my personal behalf and, and not, uh, not with AFP. I had to get confirmation first, see if that's something that I'm able to do. Um, once I, once I figured that out, I, I still was contemplating whether I was actually going to go forward with it. Um, and then about an hour out, I started uh, putting together these notes on um, my opinion of the resolution. And then I, I started calling around and I actually had the privilege to be able to talk with Scott Horton. I, I called him up and he was able to look at my notes and he gave me a call and uh, told me that I, I uh, didn't need much help, which, which gave me a lot of motivation going into it. I, I was pretty nervous, um, but he he uh, gave me a confidence boost and then um, gave me just a few suggestions um, and, and helped me out with, I think, one or two quotes or, or the placement of a quote. So then I went into this committee and there were about, um, I need to find the official number because I keep estimating, but I would say that there was about 10 proponents for this uh, resolution against only two opponents. So I, I knew who the other opponent was and that was another uh, reassuring thing going into this, but then the proponents go first. And I was kind of surprised by a lot of what I heard. One of the pro proponents admitted that, uh, this was a proxy war, which is usually, um, an argument against the war. So like, uh, she had said that this was a proxy war and the U S is proxy war. And that's why we need to fully commit another person who, who was actually, um, <laughs> My representative, my hometown's uh, representative, where where my my family live, uh, they he he got up there and he has a military record and he listed it out and he made the claim that uh, Montana should affirm support of Article Five and if needed uh, should support going to war um, to 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 defend all of NATO and <laughs> like those comments honestly made me double down i was a little nervous but once i heard them um you know my blood started to boil it and and uh i actually volunteered with to go first i, I told the other opponent that i was going to go first uh so i was pretty nervous and i i think you can kind of tell in the video 
but once I heard all of the um, testimony in favor of the resolution, I was kind of motivated because I was like, well, if if Montana is going to pass this or if this committee is going to to move this this resolution on um, and, and kind of like speaking on behalf of the, the Montana people uh, and speaking almost like stating the conscience of the Montana legislature, at the very least, if not the, the uh, larger Montana um, public. Um, I, I figured at least I should get my opposing opinion out there. And I, I went in and I, uh, my original draft that I read to Scott Horton was about four minutes. I was told that's probably the most you should, um, you, you should have. But then I was listening to these people. There was also like an ambassador to Russia who, who said that he knew Putin and has met with Zelensky many times. He was one of the proponents and, um, I timed all of their speeches just to see how long everyone was going to get a sense of what was allowed. And some of them went for like seven or six minutes. So I was like, okay, well, um, being that there's like 10 proponents and their total testimony probably lasted around 40 minutes at, at least 30 minutes. I was like, okay, I can, I can respond to some of these points and, and make my speech a little longer. So I, I countered some of the arguments that I was hearing uh, in my speech. So one one of the proponents had had suggested that we needed to be a shining city on a hill, um, and somehow this means that we need to defend all of NATO if if necessary. That that being a shining city on on a hill is is defending all of NATO and in Ukraine. Um, so I, I you'll hear in this video my response to that. Um, and I, I did want to say I, I make a claim here about sanctions and how the people of uh, Russia are starving as a result of, of sanctions. And this is definitely contested. Um, there's actually a lot of evidence that since U.S. Uh, imposed sanctions on Russia, the ruble is performing really well and, and their economy has never performed better. Um, now, in wartime, I, I seriously kind of question that. I I, I would guess that the people are suffering, but it does look like the dollar is um, rising. And because of the the BRIC system, um, which is kind of like an economic competitor to uh, the the Western system and, and Western sanctions, uh, a lot of these countries—Russia, China, um, India, Iran—have been able to kind of get get around Western sanctions and avoid economic penalties. So. Um, I made the decision because I, I was aware of that before I went in and, and testified. I, I just made the decision to quickly respond to the the general morality of sanctions. So so when I say that the people of Russia are starving in this clip, I'm saying uh, sanctions in general, um, they, they tend to punish the citizens uh, more than their governments. And I, I knew that I had limited time. I was already pushing my luck by uh, going for about eight minutes. Um, so. I, I could have gone more in depth about the nuances here and, and whether Russia is actually getting around Western sanctions and whether actually they're actually doing anything. Um, but instead, I'm making a moral statement about uh, uh, sanctions and, and maybe I could have been more precise. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoy this, uh, this video. Um, I just heard yesterday that this committee uh, the, the House Committee on Energy, Technology, and Federal Relations killed this bill or this resolution.
with an eight to five vote, um, which shocked me really because of the high brass in the room, because uh, there were a lot of people with a military record. They, they also brought out um, two Ukrainians who told very emotional stories, um, that incredibly emotional stories about people they, they knew who, who had been killed in war and how people were, were being drafted. Um, and I'll also link to the link, the, the link to all of the testimony. Uh, if, if you want to hear even the proponent testimony, they go before me. Um, and, and I'm, I'm the first opponent to go. So if, if you want to listen to all of it, I'll, I'll link to that in the description, but yeah, I, uh, I, I was surprised because they had a lot of uh, people in, in support of it that um, told emotional stories. Like I said, they also had that ambassador from Russia who, who spoke uh, virtually and a, a couple more who, who spoke virtually, but I, I couldn't remember their titles. So I, I'm honestly surprised that it was um, tabled by an eight to five vote. I didn't know I knew I had some allies in there. Some legislators approached me after with with some constructive criticism on my testimony, and then um, some approached me and and told me I did a good job. So I knew I had a few allies in there, um, but I didn't know that it was going to be eight to five. And I, I'm very happy to hear that. Um, it's it's exciting that that Montana is going to stand by House Joint Resolution 9, which I, I believe I've talked on the show about. Um, this, this resolution was passed last session, which uh, called on the federal government to end its endless wars, and then also called on our uh, delegation to vote against endless wars, our congressional delegation to vote against endless wars, and to take back uh, Congress's constitutional war powers. Um, so that's very uh, cool that that this resolution wasn't passed to contradict um, that resolution, which was passed last session. Uh, another cool thing before I, I show you the video that I wanted to mention is that uh, after I gave this testimony, um, someone came up to me, and I'm not gonna say their name, um, but someone came up to me and they told me that because of their religion and, and uh, their political views, they were just in this committee hearing and they wanted to see the proponents and the opponents, the arguments, and see how um, the the testimonies turned out. And uh, that they came up to me and they told me that I that they were very pleased with my anti-war, non-interventionist arguments. And um, this person was clearly, I think, left-leaning. Um, and I think it just goes to show that you know I'm I'm a very conservative person when it comes to my cultural values, yet this issue is, is you know, bipartisan or tripartisan, like uh, both leftists and conservative-minded people can come together and, and acknowledge that at least this current war um, is not just. So that, that was very motivating, um, just exciting to see that, that I was able to, to meet uh, and agree with someone who I know for certain I don't agree with on on other issues, um, and that I was able to impact more people than uh, you know libertarians <laughs> that, that a, a leftist came up to me and and wanted to uh, uh, introduce themselves because of my testimony. And then I have one more note here that I want to um, emphasize another point that I make in in the testimony that you'll hear. 
I talk about the nuclear sponge in in this uh, uh, testimony, and um, I did get some constructive criticism from Scott Horton after this video was posted to social media, um, and it, it got like, I'm so grateful for the reception. I think it's around 90,000 uh, views right now on Twitter, the video. Um, or at least the tweet is, I don't know if that means that 90,000 people actually clicked on the video that's embedded in it, but, uh, 90,000 people at least have viewed the tweet and I'm so grateful by, by the response and, and everyone who shared it. Um, but Scott Horton, he, he did give me some, he, he congratulated me and, and told me I did a good job, but then he gave me some criticism says that I, I talk a little way too fast in it. And I definitely do. Uh, part of this was intentional because I knew that I, I had so much and that I only had limited time. Um, but I could have spent more time on specifically the nuclear sponge. And this is what Scott ended up telling me is that this point is so uh, Im important for people to understand. And, and uh, this this issue is really the one that is going to uh, convince people in Montana. So I, I I think I explain it enough for people to understand what the nuclear sponge is, but I don't, I don't explain it clearly enough to understand how uh, serious of an issue it is. So I just want to um, actually read uh, a little bit from this Missoula Current article uh, that describes what the nuclear sponge is. Um, I've, I've linked to my testimony in a separate video uh, on, on my YouTube channel. And, um, I've also linked to two articles in, in that video, which I'll link below this one as well. But, um, if, if you just want to share the actual testimony and not this full podcast, uh, because you don't want to share it to friends and have them listen to, uh, this intro, um, it, it's there for, for you to share around with people. But, um, so in, in this Missoula current article, uh, let me find this specific quote because it explains some, someone asked in a comment underneath this, this video, um, what I, what I mean by the nuclear sponge. Uh, so I, I found this quote that describes it. So the Missoula current article says that one of the main purposes of the nuclear sponge system is to provide a target for superpowers like Russia or China to strike. The calculus goes something like this. If an enemy wanted to strike at America's nuclear capabilities, they'd have to launch dozens of missiles of their own at places like Montana to disable them enough to impede a U.S. counterattack. This would mean that Montana and its storehouse of missiles would be among the first area targeted, likely wiping out all of human life in Montana. Now, in other places that I've researched, it's, it's described that um, our Minutemen 3 ICBMs, which are located in, in um, I believe it's the Malmstrom Air Base in, in Great Falls, uh, these are a part of our triad nucle nuclear system. So we have these long-range missiles, we have a um, sea-based missiles that are from submarines, and then we have uh, these ground-to-air missiles, these ICBMs that are located in Montana and some of the western states. And the, the specific purpose of them is to uh, be a target because mo most likely if there's going to be a preemptive strike by the United States, um, they will be launched by submarines. 
But uh, these ones, um, the thinking goes that if Russia were to launch a preemptive attack, they would have to uh, launch enough to destroy the missiles in Montana uh, if they wanted to strike Austin or some coastal city or something like that. Uh, so that is the strategic purpose of it. This is what is admitted um, in strategic papers. Uh, and this is why um, there are ICBMs in Montana. Now, some people have said that these ICBMs, uh, the, the nuclear sponge could just be submarines. It's not necessary that they're housed in Montana. Um, and and they, it's kind of unnecessarily putting a target on Montanans' backs. Uh, so that is a huge theme of, of what I talk about in uh, in this testimony. Um, I brush by it lightly, so I just wanted to dive into it a little more um, and, and give you more background about what the nuclear sponge is, because I, I really think that that's at the core of, of what um, this issue is and why Montana should oppo oppose uh, this war because of the nuclear threat. And, and I think that it is a very legitimate nuclear threat that more and more people, even in, in the corporate press, are starting to acknowledge. Um, people in conservative media are starting to acknowledge it too. I think Ben Shapiro uh, just earlier in the week did a podcast about the risk of World War III, and, and he was talking about um, how it's in the interest of everyone to end this war because of the nuclear threat. So this is a very serious thing that, that people are um, starting to acknowledge and if a larger war were to be launched um there there's a serious possibility that montana would be one of the first targets um and i actually have one more point before i share with you the video uh many of you were probably captivated by the story of the chinese spy balloon um that was allegedly spotted in in billings and the State Department announced that uh, the spy balloon may have been surveilling nuclear weapons in Malmstrom Air Force Base. And this news broke only four days after I gave this testimony, or I think maybe three days after I gave this testimony in front of uh, the committee. And it was as if to almost like validate what I had been saying and at least point out the fact that these nuclear weapons are here and that they are a target, because I think a lot of us forget um, and, and kind of are become too comfortable with the idea of, of having nuclear weapons. And, you know, the Cold War went on for so long without a, a nuke being dropped that uh, people think almost forget about the, the real threat here. Um, and and there, there's a funny element about the Chinese spy balloon where war has felt so distant, at least to the United States and, and people that live in the United States while we've been perpetrating it in other countries. Um, that that when it is when an image of war, even if it's expressed in a silly thing like a like a balloon, um, it, it kind of terrifies us. And I hope things like that can wake us up to the the reality of of war, and that um, the Biden administration is racing to war with both China and Russia. Uh, so that's a huge theme of my testimony that you'll hear. I'm also going to link to a podcast I went on Vital Dissent by. Uh, it's hosted by Patrick McFarlane. He invited me on to talk about my testimony and how it relates to um, the Chinese spy balloon. So I'll link to that below. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just jump into this testimony. I've been going on for too long now. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Please comment below what you think about my testimony and remember to subscribe and uh, share with your friends. Um, 
but here here's the video. Madam Chair, members of the committee, my name is Liam McCollum, M-C-C-O-L-L-U-M. Many of you have probably seen me walking around these Capitol halls in the past couple of weeks. I'm a part-time lobbyist with Americans for Prosperity, Montana, but I am currently representing myself and am only speaking for myself today. I'm a 22-year-old from a small town of Laurel in, in here in Montana, and I graduated from the University of Montana in May, and this issue deeply terrifies me as someone who wants to live and start a family in, in Montana. This, this is my top issue. I actually think that this is the most important issue facing us and facing anything in the Capitol uh, that, that you could be working on. Friends my age and my family who love this beautiful state do not share the sentiment of this resolution. Instead, we see state actors who are unwilling to sit down and negotiate an end of this war, while it is the young people my age who are at risk, not those elites who have nuclear bunkers. We should consider the young children who will grow up without mothers and fathers if this becomes a larger conflict. Something that needs to be considered by this body is whether Montana, which is considered part of a nuclear sponge, because of our Minutemen missiles that I'm sure many of you have driven by um, should support this issue. The strategic purpose of the nuclear sponge is to be the first target so the coastal cities have longer to prepare in, in case of nuclear attack. Our National Intelligence Director, Avril Haines, made a statement in front of the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee last summer that if Putin feels his regime is being threatened or if he feels he is about to lose the war, he may launch nukes. Currently, the U.S. government is racing towards war with two nuclear powers at the same time, China and Russia. You heard these arguments earlier. While our military's recruitment and retainment are low, Russia has the most nukes of every other country, including our own, and they are pointed here. The other thing this body should consider is that House Joint Resolution 9, which was passed by this committee just last session, um, this committee called on the federal government to end endless wars and for Congress to take back its war powers. Uh, I really urge you to consider why the legislature almost unanimously passed this just last session and whether this one contradicts the spirit of it and is what Montanans want. I'm also a member of the Montana Libertarian Party and in that role I speak to many Montanans who you might not speak to. I understand there might be contention there, but they, they might have a differing perspective and as everyone knows, we like to claim that all Montanans share a libertarian streak. So if I may, I'd like to share three quick points they made in a statement last night. This resolution supports sanctions on Russia. It doesn't just support Ukraine. It doesn't just say that Ukraine should defeat Russia. I, I hope they do too. Um, we should be opposed to sanctions because they are very imprecise and all-encompassing pe penalties that harm civilians more than their leaders. Do you really think Russia and Putin and his oligarchs are harmed by these sanctions. No, the people are of Russia. They are currently being starved. The resolution also supports NATO, but we should learn the lessons of the First World War and reject alliances that automatically trigger larger conflicts when two countries begin fighting. Regarding foreign aid, as Ron Paul said, foreign aid is taking money from poor people in rich countries and giving it to rich people in poor countries. Four, Ukraine is touted as a democracy while they're banning and jailing opposition parties, banning speech, and banning religion. If this is a democracy, maybe we should question those people who also say those things and promote dem democracy here. Holding these positions does not make one an isolationist. As Jefferson said, we should have peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations, entangling alliances with none. This is the exact opposite of isolationism. Uh, frankly, it's the warmonger 
triggering the sanctions regime, regime and the printing of money to finance these wars that destroys our economy and isolates us from the world. Regarding the claim that this is an unprovoked, unprovoked war, I seriously question this and I urge you to consider the 2014 coup, the Georgian war, and also turn to Ukraine's defense minister Reznikov himself. He said just last week that Ukraine is carrying out NATO's mission. They aren't shedding their blood. We are shedding our, ours. You also heard earlier that this is a proxy war. The U.S. is proxy war. Uh, Reznikov also called for NATO to get more weapons. He concluded his statement with that. Instead, I believe NATO and the U.S. should aid Ukraine by not using them as fodder and push for negotiations above all other things. Uh, I want you to think about what the U.S. would do if the Warsaw Pact included Mexico, Canada, or Cuba. Look to the missile crisis if you want to hint at how, how we'd respond. The Rand Corporation, surprisingly just this weekend, pu published a paper titled Avoiding a Long War, uh, which claimed that the U.S.'s interests would be best served by avoiding a protracted conflict and costs and risks of a long war outweigh the possible benefits. I typically disagree as a libertarian with the Rand Corporation, uh, but they are right here. Um, there was also a claim that China is watching us right now and somehow that if we completely deplete our weapons reserves in Ukraine while retainment and recruitment are low and when we are considering including women in the draft and that's, that will somehow deter China if, if we somehow defeat and, put, and spread ourselves thin in Ukraine, somehow that will deter China. I would seriously question that and, and I want you to, I actually wager that they want us to get involved in a Thucydides trap instead. So we are deeply weakened while investing all of our efforts in Ukraine. While unfortunately the Biden administration is also considering escalating with North Korea, backing Taiwan militarily and backing Israel against I Iran. We are racing to, towards war on many fronts. That will weaken us. Our dollar is dying because we finance the Middle Eastern wars with a loose monetary policy. Our debt is at like 32 trillion now. I'm 22. I mean, that's my debt at this point. Uh, it's a large part why we have increased prices now, all of this deficit spending. I too agree with the comment made by a proponent and with the founders that we are meant to be a shining city on a hill. I agree with the sentiment, but the founders warned that the way to be a shining city on the hill is to not interfere in others' conflicts, but rather set an example instead. That's what they, that saying means. We were meant to be a limited republic with a defensive military, not an adventurous one. Um, and I'm finishing up here with a couple quotes. As Lincoln said, from whence shall we expect the approach of danger? Shall some transatlantic military giant step the earth and crush the United States at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe and Asia could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. No, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. Um, as Congressman Ron Paul said, a submarine is a very worthwhile weapon. I believe we can defend ourselves with submarines and all our troops back at home. Um, as George Washington said in his farewell address, it is our true policy to steer clear of permanent alliances with any portion of the foreign world. I think this body would do a whole lot more if they passed a resolution calling on Antony Blinken, Lloyd Austin, and President Biden to immediately sit down with their counterparts and push for diplomacy instead. This is a very important issue. Um, this should be our top role. We should make aid conditional on diplomacy. Uh, this war is not in a vacuum. Further intervention will lead to World War III. 
um, if not nuclear war. <laughs> Frankly, I think it's the most important issue, like I said. Above everything else you do here, none of that matters if this beautiful Montana capital is turned to ash. If my younger brothers are drafted into war, um, unfortunately, I, I think that this is a path we are heading in, and I, I think that this, you, you should seriously uh, vote against this resolution. Thank you. Thank you. Further opponents in the room, please?